And welcome, Rugby Rant fans. It's Sunday. It's Rugby Rant Day. It's episode 42. And we got some great topics. We got some great people. I am Scott, the big guy, Ferrara. That is Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt. And we're introducing two new ranters today because, you know, why not go? You know, why are we going with these old farts like like last week with, with TJ and uh, and Rick Collins? We got fresh new guys in here. I want to uh, introduce Preston, the little Hammer Hammerschmidt. Preston, say hello Whoa. to everybody. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, you're not seeing double, folks. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> one's got coming hair. One's got a lot of hair. Oh, that's hey. fired already in the first minute. Of hey. Oh, Jesus Christ. It's a it's a dad and son off. Just what we needed. And to his right, we have our boy, Dylan Faraci. Now, for those of you that don't know, Dylan runs the New England Free Jacks uh, fan club uh, page over there. And I believe is the social media guru behind the Hartford Harpooners. Dylan, say hello to everybody. Hey, everyone. Hey. Thanks for joining us, Dylan. I just have one question. Preston, from what I understand, you guys got a little gift. It was like Christmas in March. Uh, we're taping yes, this sir. on St. Patrick's Day in the uh, Linwood locker room today. Why don't you tell everybody about that? Yeah, we got our shorts from uh, the rugby shop like about a week ago. They came in. They look sweet. Got the logo nice and crisp. Uh, they even got a mouth guard pocket, always a plus. So super excited to get to wear those in the games. That's awesome to hear. You know, it's Max Strong was on a couple of weeks ago talking about how much she loved uh, the shorts from the rugbyshop.com. And of course, for all the fans out there, you know, as we start to return to play, you know, do remember the rugbyshop.com. They do some great custom work, custom hats, custom hoodies, uh, custom shorts. They do custom masks. We know that a lot of places, especially in the United States, as we return to play, I think Dylan, you were talking about return to play. A lot of teams are going to have to wear masks at practice. Uh, and potentially during, uh, you know, on the sidelines during games. So you can go to the rugbyshock.com, work with them. Their artists are awesome. As a matter of fact, I worked with them myself uh, for uh, the wrestling team at the Lamont High School to get those custom masks made. They are absolutely freaking legit looking. Uh, you will not be dis- dissatisfied with the artwork and the product that you get from the rugbyshop.com and their customization. So, you know, whether, again, shorts, jerseys, T-shirts, hoodies, backpacks, whatever you want, you name it, they're there to serve you and take care of all your needs on and off the pitch. So thanks for uh, to the rugbyshop.com for taking care of us. They'll take care of you. Yeah, shout out to our boys, Jay Mack, Eddie Pye, Kyle Ferguson, um, and everybody over at the Rugby Shop. They're great people. Love them. Love them to death. Um, so for those of you that don't know, well, for, you know, before I go into the rules, you know, it's funny because now we have two Lindenwood players talking about the pockets and they get, they're going to put their mouth guard in it. <laughs> Why don't you loop it around your ear like normal rugby players? I don't understand that. Is that because, like out of race? <laughs> look, if you lose it, if you do that and lose it, you're screwed. You know, I got to keep these pearly whites nice and nice and clean for a while. I'm still 21. I got I got years. Right. Hey, listen, listen, <laughs> still big, 21. Guy, big guy. Uh, the you Hammer turned 21 boys, like three weeks ago. The Hammersmith yeah. boys. Have a moneymaker to worry about, okay? Always <laughs> yeah. have a moneymaker to worry about. So we got to protect the moneymaker. We know you know that. The nose is already crooked. The teeth don't need to be screwed up too. <laughs> I remember You're one in my of the other days. We we wore a mouthpiece and it was pretty much just a piece of plastic. Uh, it looked like one of those new style retainers that people wear now. Um, but let's let's get on to the rules. So for those of you rugby fans that don't know, and this is your first time watching the rant episodes, um, what we do is we have two topics. We give each ranter two minutes to rant about the topics. And, um, you know, it's it's 
it's it's near and dear to my heart because when a ranter goes over the 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 time limit, they they get something. Rob, what do they get? They get the cheese. The Thank cheese. You very much they get a DJ. yellow card. That's right. And and what and, happens, uh, at, uh, Scott, when when somebody gets two yellows? Uh, they get the wine with that cheese, baby. They get the red card, <laughs> and I get to toss them off the screen. I'm like, I'm officially the rugby rant bouncer. It's awesome. I, I, mean, I should get paid more. I think we should put that in the title. Um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, actually, the um, the first topic is actually we're going to give a shout out to our boy Benji down in Nola, who Rob's going to see uh, in a couple weeks when he goes yeah. down to visit and watch Rooney uh, destroy the Nola gold. Um, but Benji was talking about these preseason games and, and him and Rob got to debating. So the, the topic is should referees be calling tight matches in these preseason games, or should they be allowing a little more free flow? Right. Um, and it's an interesting question. And I wonder, you know, if there's, if it's mandated by the league and for those of you who, who are watching this and didn't see our live run pass or kick, we actually had the commissioner, George Killebrewan on Wednesday, Go check out. It was a great interview. Very entertaining. I, don't, I think he passed on one question out of 15. Um, didn't kick any back either, which was interesting. I definitely thought he was going to kick a couple back. Um, and he pretty much went forward and answered every question. But uh, again, yeah, back to the topic at hand. The topic is, should the MLR referees be calling tighter matches in the preseason or should they he, or should they be letting them play in the preseason? We're starting off to my right with the the, the uh the regular hammer. I don't want to say the big hammer, but the regular hammer. Rob, your two minutes starts now. Okay. First of all, I want to throw a shout out to Mikey Brown and his Dallas Jesuit rugby team. They're on fire right now. I got a little merch, but I, I said I'd throw a shout out to the boys. Good luck for the rest of the season. I hope you guys win it out and do some great things. You have a great coach and a great man leading you. So thank you to Mikey Brown. Um, so um, I'm going to keep it short and sweet, really. Um, I disagree with Benji. I mean, I can appreciate his concern. I appreciate his point. You want to see a free-flowing game. And obviously, early season, uh, you know, guys aren't going to be as crisp, especially after, you know, almost a year of no rugby for many players. Uh, we talked to Cam Dolan, and we know that, you know, he pretty much didn't pick up a rugby ball since they shut everything down in week five. Um, but I, I happen to disagree with Benji. And the reason why is I think it allows players to adjust and adapt to the to the – um, interpretations prior to the start of the season. Uh, it, it, there's no harm in doing it in the preseason. You're not really playing for anything except for getting acclimated to the game. So why not get those errors out of your system, learn to adjust and adapt to referees. It also allows the officials during the preseason games to take a bit more time to communicate in a low pressure environment with the captains, right? So now the captains know how some of these officials are going to call games they're going to get familiar with it. It'll allow for that communication to happen. Happen. Um, players and captains will now know what to expect when they start week one. And let's face it, we have 16 games. A team has 16 games uh, to perform. There's not a lot of room for error. There's not a lot of room for a loss, right? So you want to make sure that your players, your teams are well prepped to play those 16 games. It's not like you have a 22 run with the Prem and you can have it off game or two. You got to be on fire from the get-go. So wow, you know, like I see it, it, it. Yeah, listen, you you came in under your time, even with that little shout out to my friend Mikey <laughs> Brown. I think I've known Mikey three years. You've known him exactly like two months. Shout out the, to Mikey. You know who your real friends are. You yeah. know who I am. Uh, and the but kid no, I think down you made there great... made me this way. <laughs> I I 
I completely agree with your point um, with saying that, especially now in a, in a COVID era where, um, like you mentioned, Cam Doan, the only balls he was hitting were golf balls. You know, let's be honest. That was all over his Instagram. Um, maybe they should be calling it closer to the way they're going to call it in, in a regular season match um, this year. You know, maybe maybe it shouldn't be different next year. I'm not sure what the what the the next uh, rancher is going to say about it, but you know, I do see I do see both sides of that coin. I think you made great points, except for the fact that you can't remember where where Mikey plays, which is obviously <laughs> early onset Alzheimer's. But you know, it happens. So it's with true. with it's that true. with that, I'm going to throw it down to to Dylan. Dylan, your two man starts now. I agree with uh, Rob, but. Um... I think it gives more exposure for the younger guys, especially as someone who is on the younger side. Um, like I have friends who are in the academy system and they loved playing in, against the – like I have a few friends who played for the Independents last year and they loved playing those preseason matches against the Free Jacks. But, again, with the COVID thing, like it could be a COVID precaution. Like you can call the match real early if it's – in a more dangerous environment, like I'm playing quotes around dangerous, like with somewhere it's less that has higher numbers than another state, but it's a double-edged sword because COVID that's really the main issue right now. But I really do think that the referees should go the full distance because it gives those guys, the younger guys more experience on the pitch, especially now after COVID, like as we are hopefully reaching the end of COVID. Um, just getting everyone the opportunity to play again because I haven't played since October 2019 personally, but I've had practices, of course, with my team here at school and then clubs back in Connecticut just um getting back, get back on the pitch. But again, it's just trying to get readapt from our what happened a year ago. Yeah, no, and and I think again it goes back, and this might be Preston's Preston's point too. You know, all three of you might agree on this one: is this particular off season was different, and with the lack of preseason games that people actually had, you know, Old Glory going zero and three because of COVID was a big thing. Um, you know that that was a big thing they were put as a joke they were pushing on their social media. Rooney not playing any. Um, anybody in the preseason besides inter squad games, you know, I think the Giltinis had an inter squad scrimmage and one that won against uh, the AGs, you know. So, why call it loose when you're only getting X amount of experience? Um, a lot of these guys only came together recently because of because of COVID. So, I think, yeah, you know, COVID is still a looming situation, and we have to realize that this may not be like last season, obviously, and it might not be the in, in the season of 2022. So, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it over to, to the little hammer and your two minute starts now, buddy. Uh I'm actually gonna go a little different. It, towards the end of last year, like getting into the summer, you saw rugby was starting to play in Australia and New Zealand. And getting back into school this past semester in the fall, our coach was preaching, hey, refs are gonna change things due to COVID like they did down in the southern hemisphere. And when we got to play, Arc State was a great example. We were getting our hands on the ruck super quick because we were watching Southern Hemisphere rugby. They were calling it right out of the way, whatever. But that wasn't the case. So I think in the MLR, there's like refs should call things they wouldn't the regular season because there's 
there's a sense that a lot of players in America are going to be like, okay, we're calling things different because of COVID to make things quicker like they are down in the Southern Hemisphere. And then that isn't the case. So I think calling things the way you normally would call them, especially in the preseason, preseason allows for players to right off the bat understand how the going to be played during COVID, get down to it. Interesting, you know, and I think you're you're throwing it back to Super Rugby, uh, Aotearoa, what, the way they were doing things and, and saying, you know, that they might be calling that now is actually a, a great comparison for Coach Macy to do because you don't know how they were going to call it. Um, and then when you got in the in-game situation, you figure it out and you can make that adjustment. Um, I think, again, if we're looking beyond uh, 2021, you know, because the preseason is over, right? We've we've If you're watching this, the games have happened already, right? Yeah. Right. Um, so – Let's look forward to 2022. In my opinion, I think in 2022, with having a full slate of preseason matches, having the younger guys probably make more appearances in those preseason matches, the referees should call it a little bit looser. And then you'll just have to adjust in the first couple matches when you get into the season. So now it's really really an open question. What what should the preseason, let's forecast it, what should the preseason look like in 2022? Well, you know, I, I... What'll be interesting is to see if any major law changes in 2022, right? So, so will they will they institute any law changes with regard to the tackle with with regard to the ruck? We all know that there's some real concerns right now with jackaling across world rugby. The fact that the jackaler is actually put in rather precarious position. We saw in the Six Nations that um, a, you know there was a Welsh player that was absolutely uh, lambasted in the in the head, um, and so. You know, you might call it a little looser in 2022, the, those those normal situations, because you're really going to focus on making sure you call those adjustments and rule changes consistently in the preseason so players can adapt to the new rule changes, right? So I think it, you know, it might be a year-to-year situation in that case, just simply because, you know, uh, there's going to be more play in between the end of 2021 and the, and the start of 2022. Yeah, and I mean, it... Going into, I think, unfortunately, I think if you're, again, if you're watching this, you already watched the games. I believe there there has been, because I'm going to say you've watched the matches, there has been sloppy play in this week one because of the situations they've been put in. As you saw in Super Rugby, there was sloppy play in those first couple weeks. So I think you're, it's going to roll over because we didn't have that preseason. And and even though they were calling it tighter than Benji Haswell would have liked, um, I don't think it translated into a muscle memory for people for players right now because of it, because of it being such a a small test window for preseason um so i've act, actually um so preston um when you guys have been practicing um and playing you said you really didn't see a, a difference in the way referees were calling it um do they generally do you feel they generally call a tighter game or a looser game at your level of play i think to be honest that's a bit of a it's that is based on the ref. I've had refs that are fair game. They know we got international kids that can get on the ball and, and steal it really well. So they blow it up right away, give it to the, give it to the jackal. Um, I've seen refs where they hate when hands are on the rock. I think, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, like no matter how you call these preseason matches, you always have to play it by the ref. So whatever you have a ref one week, it's going to be different the next. Um, that's just the way I see it. Like we had a ref last week that didn't like hands in the rock. We've had a ref the previous week that didn't mind it. And 
at the end of the day, like we're all rugby players. We all know it's just laws and it's up to the ref. And it really takes those first five to 10 minutes to really determine how he's going to call it. So, mm-hmm. so, so we uh, hammer schmutz are not just a pretty face. We're also great minds too. So that was a pretty good answer. Yeah. There, I think he gets the great minds and the pretty face from Mrs. Hammer, but that's beyond the point. Uh, but I think, I think Preston's uh, the way he said it shows you, cause you see that in the six nations. I mean, you see it in the upper yeah. levels of competition, you see it in the rugby world cup sometimes. So it's not like, you know, the lack of consistency is only happening in the lower levels. And I mean, I being in the lowest level you could be when I played um, it was, like a free-for-all sometimes i mean it was it was it was based upon you know what you did the previous play whether the guy was going to call you for a hands in the ruck or call you for an offsides because you know your 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 front toe was a little bit forward you know i mean it's it gets a little crazy when you get down to the lower levels like i played but uh, i have a question for dylan so dylan you hadn't played a match you said since 2019 have you since played a match since then or no um but i've had practices that's it Okay, because I was going to ask you about your game experience, but you don't have any right now with COVID. Sorry for laughing. It's my junior year. It's it's just because COVID and other circumstances with with my team. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I can imagine you know Preston is in a little bit of a different situation with um, different um, abilities to 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 get their their program you know up and running um as coach Macy has done um so good on coach Macy and the Lindenwood team for for keeping it there so so Scott I just want to add one thing you know I think if anything what an official even at the MLR level but also at the collegiate level whether it's D1A whether it's D2 uh whatever I think the key is communication you know I officiated wrestling for 19 years and I think one of the biggest things is consistency and communication if you can do those two things uh I think that's what players and coaches appreciate, right? You may call a slightly different game as Preston talked about. That's just natural. The interpretations will be there. But I think the key is you communicate early and you communicate frequently and often uh, and that you be consistent on both sides of the ball. If you can do that, both teams are allowed to adjust and they'll get used to the, the, to the run of play, right? And that's all you can ask for officials to do. Yeah, no, I certainly agree. And I think it's on the coaches, the captain and the player to say something too. You know, if, if you were, if you, if let's say Preston was called for hands in the ruck twice, you know, obviously in a respectful manner, I would, I would expect him to go up to the referee and say, Hey, what, what exactly am I doing? You know, how can I fix it? You know, we, I do that when I coach youth football, if they're calling, you know, a specific player every time for something, I'm going to ask, what is exactly he doing so I can coach him up so he doesn't do it? And I think at Preston and Dylan's level, it's more of the the player himself can do that on coaching if they can communicate effectively with the referee. So how much time should be allowed in between when the official expresses that the captain needs to go talk to his boys and then he blows it up ready for the game to restart? <laughs> well, I, it obviously depends, like Preston said, on who he likes the particular time. Um, you know, obviously. You're talking about the England you know, game. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, that was. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't that, he a French ref, little... right? Yeah. Yeah, yes, it was. Yeah. Makes yeah, that sense. Was, that was, yeah. That, yeah, that was, you know, I mean, even if you're not an English fan, that was, you know. Kind of iffy, you know what I mean? <laughs> but anyway, back to back to good old North American rugby. I think you guys all had great points, and I think you can see it from different angles. You can see it across from Southern Hemisphere rugby right here to the, the, the rugby playing in D1A and the rugby that has just been played in the MLR uh, yesterday. Um, so I, it's tough. You guys all hit on different points. And again, you know, it's hard for me to – 
pick a winner, and I don't want to say who I'm leaning to, so I'm just going to be quiet on it <laughs> right now. Um, but I do think, again, I think you guys all, all made great points. Um, I think Benji is crazy to say that they should have been a little more free in this COVID period. But I do think if, like I said, if, if next preseason is a little more set up where they could have four or five matches and you're going to have more younger guys play, then have it a little more free flowing with the calls. Um, but this time around, I think it had to be tight for a reason. So that way they're consistently tight throughout the, the season. Cause the referees are, are, are dust are rusty too. Think about it. Right. Right. And when's the last right. time they actually, you know, ref the MLR match was a year ago. So, you know, why not get the call straight right now and know you're going to say, okay, I'm always going to call this hands in the ruck and I'm going to consistently do it. And I'm, I did it against the AGs versus Houston. I did it against, you know, the OGs versus COVID. <laughs> I did it against the AGs versus the Giltinis, you know, or whoever, whoever the, the interest scrimmage matches were because they were MLR referees for those interest scrimmage matches. Um, but right now we're going to get a, a couple words from our sponsors because we need to keep the lights on and wet our beak a little bit. So hold on for the next uh, segment and take a listen to our sponsors. Rugby coffee was born out of two passions, providing ethically sourced coffee and promoting the growth and development of rugby. By combining these two passions, the folks at Rugby Coffee see an opportunity to bring people together. And together, we can make a difference. Rugby Coffee invests 10% of their profits into giving kids opportunities to play rugby and projects that help uplift communities. These endeavors have been transformational in many kids' lives and uplifted and empowered communities. They have launched a new brew for UK and just come out this week, a new brew for North America, and it is absolutely delicious. Get your brew and support youth rugby. Rugby coffee, born out of two passions. Tighthead Brewing Company is Chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality ales and lagers for all seasons. Located in Mundelein, Illinois, and the heart of Lake County, owner Bruce Doerr, and the Tight Ed staff will ensure you're kept well hydrated so you don't miss a single scrum. Tight Ed's tap room is like the familiar rugby clubhouse in which friends and families can meet, socialize, and enjoy the action of every Major League Rugby Derby that will electrify the 2021 season. Join us each week as a watch party presents itself at the tap room. The parties will happen throughout the season all the way up to the Major League Rugby Final on August 1st. Hey, Chicago, when you want rugby, Tighthead Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. Tighthead, it's worth more than a try. And welcome back, Rugby Rant fans, to the second segment of the Rugby Rant show. I'm the big guy, Scott Ferrari. You got Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt. And uh, shout out to Ty Braga, who couldn't be with her, uh, be here with us tonight. There we go. I'm um, slipping. It's a little late here as we're recording. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm starting to, starting to feel that heat. Uh, so anyway, we had a really good first segment, a uh, really good question. Again, throw, throw it back to Benji Haswell, our buddy, um, with a really good question about, uh, the way referees are calling preseason matches specifically in 2021. Um, I, I really love that question. Me and Rob have been going back and forth, uh, about it the entire time. So this next question was what you guys voted on in the fan poll. Now this fan poll was tight. The third topic had 18 votes. The second topic had 19 votes. And this topic that you guys picked had 20 votes. This is the tightest poll we've ever had. Um, as a matter of fact, at the time that we had we set our cutoff is usually noon of the day we're recording. Rob said, oh, my God, we have a three-way tie, not realizing that two people had voted to to break that tie. So it was really interesting to see that. We're, we're very excited for you guys to be doing this 
and um, be part of, of this show. And this is why we do it. Um, so this second topic that, again, you guys picked, it was number one on the poll, is should players drafted through the MLR draft be exempt from the foreign player policy? So let me frame this for you. You have a player who plays Division One or Division Two or Division Three or even Division Four, and they sign up for the draft. What we saw in the 2020 draft is a lot of teams did not take a player who was considered uh, a, a um, not U.S. eligible because it would take away one of their foreign player spots who they're trying to give you know a shot to for generally a more experienced player. So you had a lot of foreign players who played D1A for almost four years, some of them, back out of the draft and then, you know, try and find spots through free agency. So the question is to make the draft more robust, should the MLR make these players foreign exempt because they they were gotten through the draft? So we're going to go in reverse order this time. So we're starting with the little hammer. Preston, your two minutes starts now. Uh. To be honest, if this is yes or no question, I'm going to go with yes. I think foreign players that come here to play U.S., like college rugby in the U.S., should definitely be considered domestic players. But what I will say is, if I can elaborate, I think there should be a, like a certain amount of years that they can do so. I think it should be like three, three plus years that they have to play college rugby to be considered those domestic players. Um, just because if you got a kid who's coming in with one, one year of college – going on to the MLR, I think it's just a bit ridiculous because they haven't actually spent the time in America or spent the, any, any of the, just any kind of care in America yet. They've really only been here for a year. What I will say is I would like to see some of those rules change. So it's more, more of a middle ground between American based players in that and the foreign player spot. Um, I know here at LU, we've got so many international guys that can definitely, no matter what, make it to the MLR, but unfortunately they aren't able to because they're based, they're, they're from a different country. And right now the uh, residency in the U S is a bit, a bit harsh and it really makes it hard for these students to become U S based players. I know like just one of the rules is you have to spend, I think it's only a month back home every year which if you've got four months out of the year that you aren't in school, where are you going to go for those other three months? What are you going to do? How are you going to make money to be able to live in America? Um, so that, I mean, I, I feel like the straight up answer is yes. I like that answer. And, you know, to, to go back to one of our early um, interviews with Wesley White, that was almost mm-hmm. the exact issue he had, you know, so Wesley White, was actually under the three-year residency rule and yes. his paperwork was held up because he received um, some money for his birthday and a car from his father to get around. And they said that that reset his eligibility to go under the five-year rule instead of the old three-year rule. And it, it, it ended up him moving, you know, he, he left the United States and went to the UK to, to play, you know, in the, I, I think he was trying out for Saracens Academy, Bristol Academy. And, Saracens, yeah. Yep. Uh, I think Queen I think, I, Leinster. And Lenster, maybe that's what it was. The Chiefs yeah. as well. Yeah, he was. He had four or five different academies that were looking at him and were, that were giving him a look. But that's one player we lost here because of eligibility rules that sometimes are. I wouldn't say that they're out of place or ridiculous because they have them for a reason. But also, like you know, 
a college kid has to get around. You know, he, he's he's South African. 100%. His parents are in South. Yeah, you know, his parents were in South Africa. You know, how is he supposed to get around in the United States without a car? You know, let's let's be honest. And it's not like he was getting a car from the university. You know, we're not talking about these mm-hmm. you know allegations that happened that you see you know in the in the NCAA. You know, his father bought him a car. Like, what are you going to do? Um, but yeah, so right now the residency residency requirement is actually five years to become USA eligible. So really, you would have to play four years in college. And then play for, let's say, let's say you didn't make the MLR, a club team for a fifth year to then be USA eligible with these new rules. So, I mean, I, I do think you, you are onto something there about maybe giving the exemption on a, on a specific basis. Um, I'm not sure how many guys come and play D one a and one and done, you know, it's, it's not like, you know, Kentucky basketball. Um, So I'm, you know, I'm the timing of it, you know, maybe it could be two years instead, you know, depending on, on, you know, the age and all that, but I could, I could see that. I think that's a good point. Um, So we're moving on to our next collegiate player. Dylan, your two minutes starts now. So, yeah, I play, I've played four years so far of collegiate rugby and just like Preston. Um, But one thing you got to remember is that, the MLR put a standard for players entering the draft. You had to be a junior or senior. I personally didn't enter because of film, lack of film. Um, but also I wanted to see how it worked because it was the first ever collegiate draft for us in the MLR. But also USA, um, when I first entered college, USA Rugby had, gave players a five-year eligibility for within seven years to use those five years up. So it kind of counters that, but also with Canada not Canadians not being involved in the draft, that could solve it a little bit because we last year we didn't um, Canada was not involved in the draft when it came to player players being picked. But again, I agree with Preston saying that it should be scrapped for guys who are in the states for X amount of years mm-hmm. before the draft. You know, it's, it's, you know, the, the Canadian thing is always a question that, you know, I, I understood. And because they, as we know, they kind of put their draft together quickly. Um, and Toronto bowed out of it because they wanted to, you know, look at Canadian players. But, you know, Canadian players wouldn't be considered foreign. Uh, they would, they would be considered foreign exempt anyway because they're considered North American players. So, you know, the Canadian part of it is not, I don't think is the biggest issue is as far as the actual foreign players. Um, and it's interesting you say that you have seven years to do your five years of eligibility to play rugby. Mm-hmm. That's something that I didn't know. Um, so it's 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 interesting because now you know I guess you know I can go back and get my doctorate if I want to and still have a couple years left. So Preston, tell, <laughs> tell Coach Macy I need to try out soon. Um, I will tell you though but, uh, it's yeah. Well, I will tell you they also do some exceptions for if you're in the military and or on mission. Um, so there's a little leeway, but not a whole lot. Yeah, but we are given more access to eligibility than our NCAA counterparts. Yeah, which is great to see because they're given what four years to use in five, something Mm -hmm. like that. Uh, they're yeah, four years to use in five, except there's a couple medical exemptions if they have catastrophic catastrophic injuries at certain points in the season. Um, and it's sport, uh, and it, it depends on the sport too. I know baseball, for those of you that don't know NCAA, NCAA baseball does um, proportional um, 
um, God, uh, I can't think of the name, uh, scholarships. So like they could say you're on a 10% shot scholarship. And then next year they could say you're on a 17% scholarship. And then they find a different guy and say, you're on a se- an 8% scholarship. So th- it seems that there's actually different rules for different sports as well, believe it or not in the NCAA and how they handle it. Um, and, and you see that, uh, in NCAA hockey, um, you see a guy come in as a freshman, get drafted and then play four years. His eligibility is still good. You know, versus in the you can't do that in the NFL and the NBA. You know, you sign with an agent and that's it. So it's interesting that even though we have this set of rules in the NCAA, right? It's not the same for all of the sports. And then you have the set of rules for rugby, and it's just for rugby. So I feel like it's something you could fit in there. Um, but those are good points. And again, it's nice to talk about this with guys who are actually in the system. You know, because me and Robert old farts. You know, I'm ten years out of my grad degree, which is ridiculous. I'm old as dirt, and Rob. I mean, Rob was playing friggin' Rob was on the old boys rugby when Jesus was was a rookie. You know what I mean? So, uh, Rob, your two minutes starts now, buddy. I was wearing a a sheepskin scrum cap when I first started. So, um, (laughs) so, so, uh, first of all, I think that there are are two levels here that we're talking about. Um, Number one, it's USAR and world rugby. Uh, that level of, of, you know, uh, of an issue and then D1A and MLR. Right. And so um, I think the league should, the league should allow for an allotted number of foreign players exemptions. So if we're going to have two rounds in the draft, anybody uh, drafted um, that's a foreign player should be exempt, but I think there has to, it has to be qualified. I think Preston hit on the right note and saying that there's a minimum number of years. And I would suggest three, it gives players an opportunity, you know, maybe they go to Queensland college or something like that. And they decide to have a hand at going to the United States because things aren't working out with their Academy or whatever. And I know that's happened with some guys down at down at Linenwood. So they're here for three years. I think there needs to be a component of graduation requirement too, and um, that they have to have graduated from the institution as well so that they have a degree to go fall back on to use and apply if they go to an MLR team. You know, if it's in computer science, somebody that can set up websites to work with their, uh, you know, their, their infrastructure or, you know, in accounting or whatever it is, right? They have, they can actually apply their skill set. Um, And then I think they should have to have stayed in the United States for one year, perhaps that year before they're drafted. Right. Um, And that's when they could seek out an academy. Right. And have a go at playing with one of the academies during those windows of opportunity. And that would get them exposure to MLR level, give them an idea if they're able to actually be a draftable player, uh, give a team some familiarity with them. Um, And then um, it'll, it'll give them an opportunity, maybe work an internship or something like that. And so um, I think that would lay the groundwork for them to become USA eligible because that would start with your one of being independent. So, you know, it starts the progress towards U.S. Uh, qualification. It encourages players to, to, you know, seek out an academy program. So it continues to build the academy program and it requires them to graduate and use the degree for which they came to the United States to work in. So I'm for it under those conditions. I like that. You know, I, I see what you're trying to do is set them up for life after rugby. Here's my only concern. So we set that as the best practice for the league, right? So now that's kind of now. So let me, let me ask you to clarify when you're yeah. saying they're graduating with a degree, that's every player coming out into the draft or only those foreign players that you're going to consider non-exempt or ex- consider exempt rather. For, for the foreign players. 
Because what you're okay. trying to do is, you know, they're going to have to, I mean, the problem is they're going to have to get a, a, a visa. They're going to have to transition from their student visa to a work visa, right? And so they're going to have to demonstrate and have a basis and foundation for that work visa. If you allow them to not be graduated, right, then that could be a problem for the visa component. So um, I think that's a real important layer and tier to the, to the process. I will say not quite because I know I, I've had players, I believe JP Aguirre is one of them who, after his senior year, whatever, he had one semester left, got picked up by a team. Now, this is prior to the draft, but got picked up by a team and did school remotely and graduated remotely that last semester. Right. So but he, I mean, what about right. students? But he then? was he was but he was considered a foreign player at that point. I'm talking about in Correct. order for them to be foreign player exempt, you're putting some preconditions on it that encourage a couple of different pieces from you know, allowing them to be a U.S. qualified potentially to uh, giving them an opportunity to actually transition from a, a you know, from a, a student visa to a work visa. It makes the process a little bit easier. Well, OK, so two things. One, I think now that we're in the fourth year talking about the fifth year, maybe the work visa, the transfer the work, work into a work visa to become a professional player is something that can happen a little quicker um, now yeah. that we have. We, we the lawyers that that are doing this type of work now have four or five years of experience in it. They know what they need to do, you know. So I see that getting easier for everybody across the board, foreign players. The only problem I see with making the requirements different than any of the American players or North American players, rather, if we include Canada in the draft this year, is when we have to set up a bargaining unit and a CBA for the um, union, right? Because we're we're all in favor of the union in the MLR, so. What happens when that's the best practice now? That can't you can't have that rule under the bargaining unit because it's treating the two player it's treating those players differently. So I think that's where you would run into it. So, you know, to have it for one or two years, that particular graduation rule. I I, I agree that they should there should be a time frame, you know, our own MLR eligibility rule as as we can call it. Um, but I think pushing for the graduation portion is I, I understand, yeah, I understand where you're going. You're definitely once they unionize, you're going to have some serious, you know, uh, you know, work issues and labor law issues to to accomplish. But you know, and t- so far we have we have not seen the league even, you know, uh, recognize the union uh, and what the players wanted to do in terms of unionization. So you cross that bridge when you come to it, right? At that yeah, point, I know, but you, you, you've matured a little bit. Your academies have matured a little bit, and you, and you deal with that. You deal with that on as as needed basis. So what yeah, about but, uh, finding a solution to both problems? Like I was talking about earlier, I've thought about this before because I play a lot, around a lot of guys. Like one great example is MJ Spangenberg, someone I and a lot of my team believes could definitely be drafted and become a great MLR player. What if you have a middle ground between this foreign player spot and your American-based players where it's only one or two spots per team and you call it a residency spot? And this way, because the big problem with a lot of these players is, like I was talking about earlier, is you have four months that you weren't in school. And on your visa, if you're, if you're at school, on your visa, you can only work in one condition for your school. So if you've got four months that you're not in school, how are you supposed to work? But you can only go home for one if you want to maintain residency. So if you have this kind of middle ground, it allows students to transition a little better in terms of now they can be picked up by an MLR team 
and they can worry about some of that residency issues later. I think I think what you'd have to do is you'd have to set up it has it would have to be very specific pertaining to collegiate players because I could see if you set it up in a broad stroke that those spots are now going to be filled up by guys playing in the clubs that came over. You know what I mean? And that skipped the collegiate system here. So I think oh, you, you would have oh. to make it. I mean, oh, no, I'm just saying make I, it from yeah, the draft. You, from yeah, you'd have to. Players. Yeah, you'd have to say detailed right. from the from the you know D1A or not. I don't want to say D1A from the collegiate system. Let's let's use that phrase. Um, but yeah, because because I could see if if you make it a little too broad, people are now going to pull from the club, take advantage know? of it. Yeah, um, and and 100%. maybe they should have. Maybe they should have a, one spot on their on their on their roster that says you know, is a swing spot. And you could use that for a guy who's maybe lived in the United States for three years, who's older, who's been playing on your team or been playing club or been playing in the MLR on a couple teams. And maybe we should be considering our own residency residency requirements within the MLR. Cause you know, it's our country is a melting pot. We have people coming in, coming in and out all the time and taking opportunities elsewhere all the time. And I feel like, that five year, I know why the five year rule is there because we all know, you know, Southern Hemisphere takes advantage of of Pacifica and, you know, people in in Europe, uh, the different teams in Europe take advantage of that too, you know, in the past. So I see why the rule is there, but I think it doesn't help us in North America for our pro team to go through that same uh, rule. So, and that oh, might be yeah. a controversial thing. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm saying this, and everybody's disagreeing with me right now, and they're throwing you know tomatoes at me and things like that. But I think it's worth looking at. I mean, obviously not right now. You know, we're 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 through week one. We're finished with week one of the MLR mm-hmm. season. But it's something to look forward, you know, in the process because that's another one of the things. I mean, Rob sees it. Dylan sees it. I'm sure Preston sees it online, where everybody complains about the foreign players, the foreign players. But you know what? If we had this great People keep saying, well, how come they don't use more American players? Well, then we we should just be playing the club system. That's We have mm-hmm. the D1 club system. That's That was pretty much a lot of American players, right? And so what would be the difference between that and the professional teams if we weren't getting that high-level skill from outside the country? I mean, it's the high-level skill that builds American players up. Like, if I weren't going to Lindenwood, I would never be the player I am right now, only two and a half years in, out of my five. So, I mean, like, if you're not bringing these players from out of the States into the MLR clubs, you're not going to build American talent at all. And that's why you kind of have to use, I feel like, the MLR as a middle ground between building U.S. players in college to the USA level. I mean, if you look at, like, Ireland, just, I think it's James Lowe, was playing in New Zealand, plays for Leinster, and now is through residency and playing for Ireland. Now their system is different from ours. We, you know, we're playing more MLR from college instead of academies, but it's the same kind of deal. Yeah, and and I I have to agree. I think you know um, Preston's experience is is one that in order to grow rugby in the United States, in order to grow American rugby players, they have to be challenged on a regular basis. Ju- you know, uh, by by players that are that are excellently trained and have been playing since they were young. Um, and how do you encourage those players to come to the United States? There's got to be a pathway, a road to become a professional player, right? And and as Scott, you always say, iron sharpens iron. Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, and I think, is it was it Australia who's now changing their rules on play? You know, they, didn't they have a requirement that the players should be playing uh, in, in super rugby, right, or something like that? Am I, I wrong so. about that? 
Yeah. I think they I just think changed it where you have to play in AU. And that's yeah. why um one of the one of the scrum halves who plays for the Brumbies right now came back from the Exeter Chiefs to play with them for the World Cup and hasn't gone back to Exeter. He's continuing to play for Australia. Yeah, and 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 what does that do for Australia? I think it stifles them in the long run. You know, obviously Australia thinks they're bleeding some type of talent, you know, but my point is if if you're if if you're upfront with the people and you have a good organization, you should be able to let them go professionally and play somewhere and not be worried about the residency rule where they might go play, you know, for Exeter for five years and, and now Eddie Jones is looking to poach him. You know, so I mean I, I see where Australia is coming with it because they want to keep their homegrown talent, but also I feel like you're stifling your players to go out there professionally and and, and do what they want to do the way they want to do it. Um, so uh, whew, we, I mean, we went through a whole gamut of, of stuff here um, and everybody had great points. And I can tell you right now uh, the regular hammers out. So that's, you know, that's uh, it. Yeah. It's a conspiracy. It's a conspiracy. I don't allow it. I'm going on QAnon nah, with that. No, 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 no. Hey, I'll, hey, I'll put this way. Preston, just make sure that money's in my PayPal account by tomorrow. <laughs> um, no, me, so he uses Venmo. <laughs> That's fine. Um, so for real quick, we're going to go through the, the stats of the show. No red cards, no yellow cards, no bonus points either. Um, while I think everybody made great points, I don't think there was that extra – for that bonus point. So it's between the, the two guys. Dylan, where do you play again? Um, d- uh, um, was it New England College? Yeah, New England College. Um, I'll be joining the Hartford Wanderers this summer, hopefully. And then also I'm part of the Hartford, Hartford Harpooners. Practice yeah, if was. you guys check out, yeah, if you guys check out their social media, Dylan smashes all their social media too. So check cool. out uh, the Hartford Harpooners. It's just at Hartford Harpooners everywhere, right? Yes, except on TikTok. It's Harpooners Rugby. There you go. Hashtag go Pooners, right? <laughs> um, so it, it it came down to me. I, I got to give this one to Preston. Congratulations, Little Hammer, on your first win. Um, yes. He made great points. Um, he it's it's he's drawing on his experience. He does a lot of the things that his father does to to win matches, even though his father doesn't win matches against me most of the time. Um, but Preston, I'm going to give you two minutes to give a shout out. So to say hello to everybody at home. Nah, I just want to – my dad's right here, so I don't need to shout out to him. Uh, <laughs> shout out to my mom and dad, my mom and brother if they're watching LU boys. Uh, hopefully they'll be watching. Otherwise, I will not be giving the rides anywhere. The dog for <laughs> sure. And to be honest, any MLR fan that's watching, you guys run the show. You guys bring the money in, and that brings me a new kid all the time. So <laughs> <love> that. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's something I keep hearing uh, from Rob is uh is Preston poaches my kit all of a sudden Preston's at, oh, at yeah. home a box shows up and uh half the stuff's missing <laughs> I don't get to see it. <laughs> my favorite thing to do my favorite thing to do is raid his closet wear his clothes in front of him and wait the four hours for him to notice and go hey I think that's mine and I go yeah I've been wearing it all day so <laughs> Jesus Christ they're like sisters these two guys <laughs> <laughs> Hey man, if something comes in for me, he goes, "Hey, what size is that?" I'm like, "Oh, like extra large." He goes, "Cool, I could definitely fit one of those." Um, like so it's, and hey, hey, yeah. and just remember. And then he has the gall when I order stuff from Noah to say, "Hey, did you get an extra one for me?" Dude, I'm I would like, hey, mate, I like, would hey, pay you back. Hey, you already have a you, you have a you have a mate down there that that can get that stuff. 
yeah, use seriously. your use your uh your hookup, man. Don't rely on me. You have to watch you out. You have to watch the eligibility rules. I don't know what Rob's doing. He might get pressed into trouble. Yeah, hey, exactly. Better watch yourself. <laughs> if you get Steve on trouble, he's gonna pour milk all over you. And you know <laughs> man. Yeah. Uh, guys, thank you so much for being on the show. It was a pleasure. We, had, we this was a great episode. Um bringing on two new guys. Hopefully we'll have you guys back on um in the coming weeks. Uh, you guys did great. Hammer, you still suck as always. Um so fans out there, uh thank you Go so much for watching the rugby rant. Uh rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Um, follow us on all social media, including TikTok at Rugby Rant Pod. Um, and just so you guys know, we're going live on Monday. So tomorrow we will be live with our RPK with Houston Sabercats president, JT Onyet, with a run, pass, or kick interview. We're putting them to the RPK challenge. So we have switched our RPK live interviews till Monday nights. So make sure you guys are watching. Thank you so much, guys, and we'll see you at the next. Well, rugby fans, that's another episode done and dusted. Make sure that you follow us on YouTube, follow us on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages to be able to learn more about upcoming episodes. And once again, thank you for listening to the Major League Rugby Rant Podcast Show. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.